0: Hello and welcome back to the Road to Rank 1 podcast. I am your host, Jack. Today I'll be running solo, no Burjo, unfortunately, so I'll be running through everything on my own today. All things round 20, I'll be looking at the best options for the week, do some strategy chat for the run home, as well as a few pods that I like that can hopefully make up some ranks, and also go through my own trades and skippers. First of all, I'll get straight into the TLT. A few quite interesting things in there. First of all, Knights Tigers Friday night, Gagai named to return from his foot injury. It's the only change for them. Best and Saifedi both named. We'll see how they go in origin there. For the Tigers, Appy are big, big in for them. This is the Silva drop off the bench with Simpkin moving back onto the bench. Quite interesting for the pieces they have around them. Hopefully, some more points in the Tigers. So, if there's any Bateman, Buller owners out there, very good news here. Not how, not sure how much this will um, up their scoring, but probably good for them nonetheless. Moving forward to the Dogs-Broncos game, Josh Adekar is named to back up. However, Blake Wilson keeps his spot on the wing. However, this will be on the right wing, as Jacob Kiraz will shift into the centres. So, Wilson could be sparking a bit of interest off the back of this, and I will have a little chat about him later. Um, The other moves, the dogs, Vitala Mariner named it prop and Waddell at lock. So, Torpenny keeps his left-edge spot, which means Jake Preston will stay on the right until Kikau returns and further onto the season, he will remain on that right edge. For the Broncos, Carrigan is listed among the reserves, And Payne Haas not named to play, so Haas very likely to return next week in round 21, it seems. Gets the rest against the Dogs here, and then will sort of be in the contention of everyone's Supercoach team at a very affordable price moving forward. Moving forward, Manly Cowboys on the Saturday, Avo at four pines. Um, DC and Trubojevic of the Jake sort, both named to play there. Jake Arthur's in the extended in case DCE is ruled out, but I assume the DCE backs up here for them. Um, Aloe starts in the pack, and Dean Madison on the bench for Ben Chibovic, who suffered a hamstring, apparently, at training. So, debut for Dean Madison, the brother of Ryan there. Interesting there with guys like Sean Kepian. The like missing out for Manly. And for the Cowboys, same 17 named. The Origin Stars all named to back up. Rooster Storm, SCG, Saturday night. For this one here, we see the return of Brandon Smith from the bench. Um, Turpin is named to start here at hooker. And yeah, cheese will come off the bench. So interesting to see how long that lasts there. Might just be to get Brandon Smith back into the swing of things. And Sualee, Billy Smith and Egan Butcher, all named to return following concussions. Um, Lindsay Collins and Teddy, also named to play with the three-day three day turnaround. Will Warwick, um, named for the storm after the head knock in round 18. And once again, all of the origin stars for Melbourne named to play. Moving on to the Sunday games, we see the Warriors and Sharks. For the Warriors, I think Sean Johnson will be the big one here to see if he plays. Obviously, his child, quite big news last week, unborn baby. Played last week against power but could be questionable for this one depending on what happens there. Um, Dylan Walker, despite the arm injury he suffered last... Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. He's named to play despite that, and Josh Curran also returns to the edge, which moves Bunnett to the front row following a massive score against Parra last week. For the Sharkies here, Hamlin ULA is named to play after the hit from Blake Laurie, it was, in round 18. So he had a little rib injury. He's back this week in the reserves. And... Dale Finucane, um one week left of his suspension, so Cam McInnes starts at lock once again. Big news here comes in the Finns-Panthers game, and that is Nathan Cleary named on the extended bench and all the Origin boys named to back up there, but Cleary is the big watch here. So I'll talk about Cleary in some extent later. But yeah, massive news. I think the fact that he's on the extended and not starting adds a bit more question around it. A bit more confusion, second guessing. But I think if Cleary plays, it's going to be hard to pass up. But I'll get to all that later. As I said, all the Origin guys named to play for Penrith. And Hosking and Peachy both miss out. So reasonably popular players there. Both not in the seventeen. Sonny Luke comes into the side for that as well, as well as Salmon. So it's interesting the little roulette they're playing around with that bench, the Panthers, and I think it's going to be a little while before they actually decide what their best 17 is because Lindsey Smith is playing very good football off the bench and he probably isn't that best team right now. Jamin Salmon provides a lot of versatility as we spoke about before. Sonny Luke off the bench is nice when you can move Kenny to the front row in the middle. It's interesting how it plays out. As as we said before as well, Peachy has played a lot of um utility off the bench in his career, but he isn't now, so massive moving pieces there for the Panthers. And I'm not sure how it's gonna play out really. I wouldn't be surprised if Hoskins back in the side soon. But yeah, just blessed with depth, I guess, for the Panthers. For the Dolphins, Felice Cafusi returns to the back row following the concussion which moves Cabram to the middle and Nichols back to the bench. Once again, the Hammer's named in the centres with Cody Nicarima at fullback. So that little, I guess you'd call it experiment by Wayne, continues. Nicarema's doing pretty well at the back. And Hammer, obviously, a great defensive centre. So it's working out there for the Dolphins, and this is a massive game for them. Only about a win or two behind the eight. So if they could put up a fight against the Panthers, very big for them. Jeremy Marshall King still sidelined. He was a guy that I sold off last week um just for the cash because I sort of had a feeling that he wasn't going to be able to return at a high level at least. I didn't believe that even if he did come back that I was going to get production good enough super coach scoring out of him, so I sold him off on the weekend, banked about almost 400k from it. So very happy with that. Um Obviously, JMK is an absolute gun, and when he is healthy. Massive supercoach asset, a bit of a pod as well through the buy rounds, and just hasn't really panned out well for him. Um, it's very unfortunate for those who own him. I guess you could suggest an opportunity, you could open up here for Harrison Graham as a hooker downgrade, I guess, to get through to cover Harry Grant's buy that he'll have later. But you just don't know when JMK is going to return, so I'd say just stay away from that altogether. And in the final game of the round, the Eels and the Titans. Um, Clint Gutherson named to play as well as Mitch Moses for Para. Sean Russell moves to the wing here, and Sean Lane moving to start into the back row with Davy on the bench. Is one that just sparks my interest a bit. Dil Brown not a, not too far away from returning, even with Dejan Arcee there. I still don't mind Sean Lane. Very affordable price, very low ownership. I do like Sean Lane a lot. For the Titans, Origin stars named to back up, which means Jaden Campbell goes back to the bench, and Brimo obviously into fullback. Chris Randall, who started the front row last week, goes back to the bench as well. Just quickly before I get into the options for this game, just on last round, I didn't touch on it. Me and Berjo both had similar scores around nine seventy. Not ideal for the either of us, really. Um, I'm sitting around 7,000 overall right now, and I'm as disappointed as I am with that ranking and how my last six weeks have gone. There's just been so much that hasn't gone my way. I can't be mad about it. Burjo's sitting at 3,000 overall. Been doing very well. He has probably not, probably about 300, 400 points behind the top 1,000, not far at all. But yeah, for myself, it's sort of, it's hard to put a finger on. There's just consistently things that have been let me down. So obviously, I missed Ponga a couple weeks ago, which absolutely killed me. As well as all those Cowboys, we spoke about it many times before on the pod. My interest in Scotty drink water about six weeks ago, and I didn't do it. Um, last week, hit by a shocker with Mortallo and AJ, as many people were. Um, yeah, it's just not happening for me. I think... Obviously, I wasn't on the pod last week, but I sort of had my trade set for a while that I wanted to grab uh, Max King and Matty Timico. Both a couple mid-range options that played the buy last week. Um, I ended up grabbing Max King to cover this Joey Tarpany buy in the front row for me. But yeah, didn't go to Timico. Went for the downgrade instead which has freed up money for me to do what I want this week. But missed out on the Timoko ton there. So, yeah, disappointed. Very disappointed. I think I just haven't backed my gut, and that's probably the big lesson to take out of all this. I've had good feelings about a lot of players, and I haven't um, backed them in. And it's hurt me. I think the whole Kalen Ponga situation... Obviously, I started with Ponga this year. had faith in him when not a lot of people did. Feels like I deserve better from him there. Just... The massive scoring into Dog killed me. And look, it sparked my interest in a few Newcastle Knights that I'll touch on now as I get into the options that I like for this week. First game of the round being the Knights and Tigers. I think this whole back line... You'd want a couple pieces of it. For me, I now have Greg Marju and Ponga has to come into my side, so both of them are in there, and I'm just as much looking at Bradman best. So obviously, dependent on whether he backs up from Origin this week, but only 570k break even of a negative two with that massive score of 152 against the Dogs a couple weeks ago in his rolling average for a while now. He's one percent owned. The draw is great for the Knights and that's that's the big thing here. They got the Tigers, massive score you'd want for best if you played. They go on to play the Storm next week, which isn't good, but it's not the end of the world. I don't really hate that matchup at all. It's at Newcastle as well. Then they go to Canberra, play the Dolphins, play the Dogs. There could be In those five weeks alone, you'd hope Bradman scores about five tries in there. They also play the Dragons in the last game of the season when there's going to be a lot of people on restings. I think those Knights players could be vital in there. I just think Bradman, his base and power is solid without being brilliant. I've Just looking at his scores, he'll give you 30 to 45 in games where he doesn't score a try. Um, tackle busts aren't massive, but they've been very good over the last five or so weeks. Seven tackle busts, three, three, one, and five over his last five games. Offloads have been around recently, so I think Bradman's a really interesting option. The other one I don't mind, you'd have to pay up almost another 100K for him, Dane Gagai. Um, People looked at him before, he's once again only 2% owned, and the base and power for Gagai is seriously impressive. Games where he doesn't score a try this year, no attacking stats at all, no tries or try assists, he's gone 51, 51, 37, 81 in a game with only one line break, absolutely insane, so he's almost base and power of 70 in that one, 75, 37, it's just ridiculous, and he finds the try line and assist to Dom Young very often, average of 70 for guy. Once again, option I really like. I wouldn't be surprised if Gagai averages 80 over the next month. I like all of those Knights guys a lot. I think they could be some pods. 2 and 1% ownership for those two is just crazy. Greg Marju, I'd be scared not to own him. Obviously, Dom Young didn't kill it against the Dogs, which would be disappointing if anyone out there did own him. He's got price um, drops to come. Following, what was it? It was twenty-four against the dogs in that sixty-six to nil blowout. He's going to be cheap. Um, I don't mind a swing on him as a points play. Once again, all these nights guys I like. Moving to the Tigers side of things, there's probably not much doing here. Dream um, Buller, you can't really be disappointed in him himself with his scoring. It's been the struggles of the Tigers that have caused it. He's 547k with 128 break even. I guess he's sort of just forced to hop off now with the wreck that it is. Um, I didn't think it could end up this this bad for owners. Well, as I said before, Apikorosau being back does help him. But I don't think I'd want to have a sub 500k Dream Buller at my... Full-back spot right now, so I think I'd sell him at, at all costs if I owned. What's he owned at? Still 14% of teams, and there's not any ghost teams in there as he was a mid-season buy, so considerable number, and, yeah, I think you got to sell him. Um, Johnny Bateman, I look to as not a buy, but if you own him, I think his production is going to be good. Played 80 minutes last week. Work rate was pretty damn good for him. 39 tackles. Saw a lot more hit-ups than he did the week before against the Cowboys. There was worries about him. A lot even looking to sell him in the buy round that he played in. And I think they'd be glad that they didn't as the owners. So yeah, Bateman, I think, is a stronghold for the rest of the year. Wouldn't have any second thoughts about him at all. Um, Moving on to the next game being the Dogs and the Broncos. At Belmore. For the dogs here, there's actually a few points that I'd like to talk about. First of all, as I mentioned before, Blake Wilson, named on the wing, following a massive score last week with the hat-trick. It was around 120, I believe. So he's priced at 268k. Neg 39 break-even. It was 109 he scored last week. Um. Even for myself with, well, like, 14 trades... I still couldn't bring myself to do this just because the right edge isn't a considerably great place to be, or the right wing at least, for a Dogs player. Um, I wonder if... I think Kiraz would stay on the right edge at right centre. I don't know. I probably couldn't go there even with the amount of trades I have as a cheapie. If we had got him in mid-season, maybe, but there's just probably too many question marks around it at the moment that I'd probably stay away from Wilson at the moment It could pay off I guess The draw is good going home For the Doggies players But probably not for me If he somehow kept that left wing Which is obviously Josh had our car So it's not going to happen Then yeah But not on the right wing for me For Blake Wilson Jake Preston is the other one um, That's sparking a lot of interest this week As a sell And very Understandable 550k, and it's just if he's the guy that's got to go to get to David the Feeder, I've got no problem with it. Break even of 84, there probably is cash to leak with Preston. Three-hundred average is just under 50, which is disappointing to see. But I think the thing is, you can bank 80 minutes of Preston every single week, and he will play on that right edge the rest of the season. And being there with Sexton isn't ideal, but if you can hold on to Preston, I would. I own him, and I will be holding on to him. Because I just think at 550K, he's still got more to give you. We've talked about it before, but his average is greatly hindered by outliers early in the season. Obviously, the Sinbin game against Souths, the game against Manly in round one, where he only played 20-odd minutes. Um... In like the back row spot. He played a lot of centre there. I think it was Kira's went off for a head knocking round one. So pretty much he probably scored thirty and twenty in those two games, and he's still averaging sixty on the year. So I think this is a sixty five average guy still. Maybe not quite on the right edge, but I'll take a sixty average from Preston here on in as sort of my seventeenth, eighteenth player. Um but as I said, if he has to go for feeder, I've no problem with it. But I think he's um a very good option to hold, especially when people are low on trades. I, I would do my best to keep Preston because he's very highly owned. If he does go on a little run scoring tries, could hurt you. Um, for the Broncos, probably not too much relevance here. I think Herbie Farnworth space and power has been really, really good. Um, on that Broncos left edge, could you buy him? Just above 600k. Possibly. What's their draw like? They've got the Dogs this week. Probably not as good a matchup as it looks, I don't think, for the Broncos players here. Then they go Souths, Roosters, Cowboys, Para, Buy in round 25, then Raiders, Melbourne. So, by all means, the Broncos could win all these games, but the draw itself doesn't look great. So, Herbie... Bit of a pod option. He's 10% owned, actually. That's quite surprising. I didn't think he'd be that highly owned. Yeah, maybe not for Herbie. He's basing very, very well, running for a stack of metres. Scored a double against the Dolphins in his last start. But, yeah, he sort of gives you 45 pretty much weekly. So, it's really impressive from him in that um, area. But, yeah, Probably not with that draw and the 10% ownership quite surprising to me, actually. Moving on to the Cowboys' manly game. Here for the Cowboys, one that I like. So, obviously, you got your Drinkwaters, um, Val Homes. They've all surpassed the 750K mark. Drinkies around nearly a mil. Val about 850K. One that I like here for a bit more discount, touch under 600K, 590K for Murray Taolunghi. Negative two break even. Coming off 140 against the Tigers. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to chase points, these might be the points to chase. Mainly this week, I like the matchup, even at four points. Para at um, North Queensland, good matchup. I don't mind that at all. Got the Titans, then the Broncos in 23. If you're going to take a four-week play, I don't mind Mary Taolungi as one if you can't afford your Val Holmes and drinkies of the world. For Manly, obviously, there's the Garrick at fullback. A lot of people own him there. Not anyone buying or selling, I don't think. Oluquatu is an interesting one, as we've sort of spoke about here before. Um, I do like Oluquatu as an option, while there is no Tom Trubovic in this side. Priced at 560k, still still unders. And not a home run. Basin power is not great, but could give you a good 60 to 65 average on the run home, I reckon, or the Kawatsu, so I don't mind him at all. Moving on to the Storm Roosters. Obviously, Munster and Grant are popular buyers. We spoke about this for a while. They will keep being popular buyers until this period's over, all the way home. Nick Meany being sold, though, is one that interests me. He's 560k now. Breakeven's 111, so he probably will still like a bit more cash but just at this value it doesn't make sense to me. A guy that most people would have bought in when he was averaging around 73, probably around the Cowboys matchup in round 14, around there. So the five-round average isn't great since that point where people bought of 57. Like, you're not happy with that as such, but Nick Meaney's flaw is what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in the storm um, sorry, in the Penrith and Manly games. Obviously, Manly they played in round seventeen. Were they under strength? Yeah, there was no monster in that one. Um, so we've seen Meany's worst over the last couple of weeks. I don't get how you could sell him off at this price, with limited trades. Like people are forcing him out of their teams, and I'm in a situation where I could get rid of him, but I don't want to. Nick Meaney will have his good games. He's not completely involved in this attack and the set plays and their shape. But I think you had to come to expect that from Nick Meaney. And when you buy him, you're sort of banking that the worst he can average is 60. And that's still the case, in my opinion. So Meaney, I'm more than happy to run home with. I don't really get the sell fully. Um, Nothing much of note for the Roosters. Billy Smith keeps his spot. Um... Teddy, I think he's quite expensive right now, actually. Teddy, I'll have a look at that. If there's any out there owning him. He's 670k now, break even of just a touch over 100. Probably won't provide an option on the run home. The draw isn't great for the Roosters, they're not going well, so I don't see Teddy really being too relevant on the way home. Moving on, Sean Johnson for the Warriors. Very interesting here. Um. 150 break-even. I think if... The good thing is that the 24-hour cut for the Penrith game will happen by Sunday Arvo. Warriors matchups we will have a good idea over whether Nath's playing to see if he's cut from the side 24 hours before the game. If Nathan isn't cut from the Panthers team, I think it's a pretty easy flip from Sean Johnson. Not that I don't like Sean. We know they've got a good draw on the run home, the Warriors. I just think... If you bought in SJ... Whether it be a month ago, however long ago it was... You'd be happy to flip him... To Nate Cleary for... What is it, about 70k or something like that? No, a bit more. It's about 100k. Um, Yeah, about 750 to 850k between them. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um... You're taking a massive risk not getting Nathan Cleary for one, but also the Sean Johnson price drop from here. I think you're just risking way too much, and what's the reward? Sean Johnson averages 90, and Cleary only averages 75. Is that the best-case scenario here? So I'm not willing to bet against Nathan Cleary, and as good as Sean Johnson's been for us, We have seen he's not going to score hundreds every week over the last couple. He scored about 60-odd last week following his low score against South in the wet. I just think it's an easy flip. And I'm not thinking twice about doing it if Cleary does play. Across the field for the Sharks, Ronnie Multalo let us down, as I mentioned before. Score of sub-20. Um... The good thing for me here is that he isn't the pod that he previously was for me that was really low-owned. There was a lot of people that hopped on for this game, so there was a lot in this boat with me. 22% ownership, so quite high for Mulatalo, and I had him as a pod earlier. Um, Doesn't kill me for that reason, but, yeah, disappointing nonetheless. I think... uh, Situations where Talakai could have given it... um, I guess the question is hold or sell for Molotalo. Warriors, Manly, Panthers, Souths, Titans, Cowboys, Knights, Raiders. Now, oh, it's tough when you've got Molotalo and AJ because I was going to say you can just play on matchup those two rest of season, but if you got both of them, it's going to be pretty tough realistically. You're doing pretty well if you can play both of them on matchup and can afford them both to sit on your bench weekly, so... I don't know. I guess I'm not against selling more I'm not going to sell him myself, but I'm not completely against it. There will be better days for him. Average 67 up until this week. Once again, I'm happy to hold, given what I've got from Ronnie Till now. Uh, moving forward to the Finns-Panthers game. Um, no Valence to Fire, which for me gives Jermaine Asako a pretty reasonable boost in his expected scoring. Um, Tafari, we've all seen multiple times, just hasn't given the ball to Asako in try-scoring situations where he could have. So, even though you and Aitken's probably not much of an upgrade in that sense, I guess... Uh, I don't know. It's much of a muchness, I guess. Aiken could be as much as a hog as Tafari is, but I'm happy just to... As an Osaka owner, I have the confidence that um, he will be likely for a few more tries with this now. Because, obviously, I think Hammer stays um, left-centre. So, yeah, I don't know. Either way, I'm happy to sell psycho Provides a good floor. Don't think he's a buy by any means for anyone that doesn't own him. But, yeah, probably don't sell him rest of the season. The draw is not bad for the Dolphins. As I touched on, Nate Cleary. I would be terrified to not buy him. After what we saw from Nico Hines in round four, returning from a soft tissue injury and we were hesitant on it, I think it was just a lesson that as much as sometimes the statistics and the gut feel on being safe and not taking like too big of a risk on players that have such a big swing factor and ceiling to them. I think we've just learned that you've just got to send it. If it doesn't come off and they do re-injure, whatever it is, so Nath Cleary's hamstring in this situation, we can sell him if that happens. And even if you're down to two, three, four trades, I still think you just got to go down swinging. Cleary's a guy that I'm willing to risk the season on if he plays against his Dolphins side, with all respect to them, they've really been grinding out. And they probably will put up a good effort here. But even if they do put up a solid effort and certainly give up under 30 points to the Panthers, Cleary can still so easily go 120. So, yeah, I'm not going to fade it. If you were to fade Cleary, there are other options at halfback. Obviously, you got your Moses, SJ and Hines. I also don't mind the Matty Burton play. I didn't touch on him with the dogs earlier, but really looks to be playing his footy at five eight with Toby Sexton last week. Obviously not against the strong south side. That Doggy's team wasn't awfully strong either. They were almost both reserve grade teams around Matty Burton. And obviously scored poorly against the Knights. This does a break even around 100, but... Burton could just be a pod if you do have a spot at 5'8 or halfback. They could make you up some ranks because the Doggies draw following the Broncos and Panthers matchups is pretty good, even though it is the Dogs. And we have seen the Bulldogs in the past run home strongly following struggles. So if you are anti-potting Cleary for whatever reason, there are options around it. I'll say that at halfback. There are three guys that I quite like. But he's just a guy that can define seasons. So I'm not going to do that. Final game of the round, Para-Titans. Now, one thing here that I want to touch on for Para, Jermaine Hopgood is very sellable right now, in my opinion. I think a lot of people would disagree with that. Why would we sell him? He's been rock solid 60, 74, just about every week, which is a viable... Viable reason, because stats don't lie. However, it's 740 forty k. I am When it comes down to Hopgood or Preston, I'll touch about this in my trades later too. I am going to sell Hopgood over Preston. So yes, the bloke's averaging 75, and it's real brilliant. But I think if I can bank on Preston averaging 65, at 200k cheaper compared to Hopgood 75, I think I'll take that and the cash that... I bank from the difference between these two, purely because how many times this year have we seen Jermaine Hopgood play with Junior Ballo, Gamble Gillard, Ryan Madison, and Joaquin Gowey? They're four big-minute middles, and Hopgood is a big-minute middle himself, and don't get me wrong, he will still play 50 to 60 minimum, but I'd be surprised if he can play more than 65 with all those guys there. So last week they had no Campbell, Gillard, and Madison was at 5'8". There was also an injury scare for Offengale. Still played 66. So Hopgood playing more than 65 minutes, I'm more than happy to hold on to him at this price, but I just feel that he won't, and I'm happy to move him. So I think those who have a Hopgood and Preston situation, I'm going Preston. And that could come back to bite me if Hopgood continues to average... 75, 75 plus. But I'm happy to take this risk because I think that, to me, the makeup of this slide looks like Hopgood will see a decrease in output and supercoach scoring. Well, not even supercoach scoring, just minutes. And I think that will bring down his base at least. And as well, you have to factor in the Eels have a buy in round 27. So you're not going to want to have Hopgood buy then anyway. And we're probably not going to have trades to trade him out. So just... Preston plays an extra game compared to a Hopgood. And that's important too. If there is a discrepancy of, say, 10 in average each week between these two. So um, Preston gives up 60, 70 points over the next six, seven weeks to Hopgood. He can then make that up in the week that Hopgood's on bye. And obviously that's not exactly how it works, given you're going to have other players in your 17, someone's going to replace Hopgood's score. But, yeah, I'm willing to take the risk on that plus the 200KU bank from going hop good over Preston. Moving on to Fafita and Fasul Malawi. These two are both game breakers, Coach wise Fafita, I think you just have to bite the bullet and get him. However, Tino's coming off three Coach scores that have tries in them. So obviously that three owned average sitting just around a hundred almost is very enticing for Tino. But I just think when paying Haas is probably going to return next week, and you can get him for almost two hundred k cheaper once again, I think that's that type of money is really big. And if you're throwing up a Haas or a Tino, I just couldn't couldn't pass up on Haas at that price. The pod factor for Tino is nice. But there's just so much you can do with that spare money. So, yeah, not for me. I've looked at Tino. I can buy Tino. But I think I'm just going to wait for Haas and use that spare money that I get from it elsewhere. Because... for Fafita, you have to have, I think, because he will score attacking stats consistently. But Tino, not as consistently, will score these for me. Um he's off the back of not, they're not um, enhanced scores because you can, you can see Tino scoring tons, but this consistently, I don't think he will. I think Haas will average just as much. I think Haas is still averaging more than Tino on the year, even with all the tries Tano scored. So yeah, Haas for me by far. Moving on to some strategy talk real quick. First of all, How do you utilize our trades in the last six, seven weeks of the year? With a lot of people down to a handful, some getting under five trades, it's going to be tough to run home. And a lot of those are probably going to be needed for injury replacements. Or I think, so what are we, we're around 20 now. We've got another seven odd weeks. If you have seven weeks of rugby league, I think you'd expect at least two injuries in your Supercoach team. You'd be lucky if you didn't have two injuries. So however many trades you've got, if you want to be planning sort of some strategy with them, I'd be taking two away from how many you have. If you've got five trades and you're trying to make or plan out moves when teams have buys later on the year, you can take minimum two away from that number, I reckon. So if you're looking at, yeah, I'll be able to sell the Paraguays in round 27 or be able to sell the South guys in 26 or Broncos in 25. If you're low on trades, I don't know how much you will be able to plan that. I think you're just going to have to use your depth to cover it because I think you'd have to expect at least a couple injuries. So then it becomes important what is worth a trade at this time of year. Would I be making moves at front row around guys not named Harz or Tino? no. Um, like a Tolu Harris or Joey Tarpanay, Adam Fenua-Blake to the Tino or Haas options, I wouldn't be flipping any of those sideways type of trades, even though Haas and Tino will average more. It's just not enough of a differentiator in points to be able to warrant that type of trade. Same with Hooker and even 2RF. I just don't think there's the upside of a trade to be able to want it, unless you've got 10 plus, I probably wouldn't be making moves in any of those three positions, just because you're not really going to get a 120, 130 plus score that's going to change your season. So where I'm getting to with this, I think at this time of the year, for your planned out trades that are more strategy based and looking to grab extra points rather than injury prevention or around strategy for buys. I think you've got to be making them in the backs. I think your halves you could try and flip around the buys with your five eight and half back spots. So around when Cody Walker has his buy in round twenty six, you're gonna wanna flip him then. Um, Halfback, maybe not as much. Maybe just lock in Hines and Cleary and just let that run. But 5 5'8", you're probably going to want to make some trades there to maximize points. But it's centering and fullback, really, for me, that you want to be trying to target a little three, four-week period of good runs to be able to maximize your points there because I feel like you can you can gain a couple hundred points there compared to, say making a sideways move in front row or second row where you might gain 5 to 10 points a week which isn't going to amount to that much it might gain you 50, 60 points in the end so I think your centre wings and your fullbacks try and target those runs with your extra trades that you can utilise around injury and buy strategies and anywhere else I probably wouldn't bother because you're probably just wasting that point as I said if you got more than 10 trades at this stage, then, yeah, go for it. You sort of can make whatever moves you want to make. Same thing, though. I think you're giving yourself the biggest chance to maximize points by trading at center wing and fullback and trying to target matchups there. But, yeah, I wouldn't bother moving front row, hooker, or 2RF if you don't have injuries there or you're trying to avoid AEs. So, for myself, I actually had to... Trading Max King last week, so I've got enough at front row, as well as Joey Tarpanese, so I had two players out this week and I had to grab him in Max King to cover me the buy last week and this week, he'll more than likely be going to Payne Haas very soon. But unless it's sort of like a buyer injury cover there in any of those forward positions, I think you've got to target the upside we see in the backs the other thing I just want to touch on is the value of a pod now and this follows on from what I was just saying there you want to be trying getting low ownership guys that in a score well in order to boost yourself up the ranks and the one last week that I saw and I didn't act on was Matty Timico he was underpriced about 440k low ownership we'd seen him average lots of points earlier in the year and he had a big price drop it's these type of Guys that you want to target with good matchups I saw that that right edge um, For the Dragons gave up Good points to Jesse Ramian last week And you sort of Just got to pick those type of things And Even the same thing with Scott Drinkwater early in the year or Gutho And his rotten. These low ownership guys you want to be able to get on them Before others do One that I like this week Would be like I don't know I've got a few in the pod section that I'm looking at but a guy like I don't know Isaac Tungo and just sort of mixing up with someone that you might not grab at the start of the year because now yeah, when you're getting these scores at low ownership they're really vital. They're really, really vital. So now's the time to really shake it up and try and just make a big push in the final six, seven weeks of the season. On that note, I'll go into the three pods I have down that I like right now and I'm keen on all of them. First of all, Sean Lane, 530k, 0.4% ownership. Obviously, Dill Brown's not there yet, so it's a bit of a negative for him. However, at this price, Lane's a guy that... Good base and power, but he also... He knows how to score a try and get involved in attack. When that para left edge is humming... Very, very good super coach asset, Sean Lane. The draw isn't great. No deal bag. So it does have question marks. But at the same time, at just above 500k, under 1% ownership, it probably is worth a little gamble. And it's probably as big as a gamble. we could get at to our F. After I said, probably don't make a move at this position. If there's anyone that has some genuine upside in him, it might just be Sean Lane. So I'm really keen on him as an option. These next two guys I've touched on in the pod so far, Bradman best at 570K, one 1.2% 1. ownership. Negative break even. If he plays against the Tigers, I'll be very, very tempted to do it, and I really should because I'm very sure he'll score well. I spoke about him in depth before. Very good option. I think he could be a pod that you pair up with your Ponga and your Maju and just really ride those nice into the sunset. Finally, as I just said, Isaac Tungo, 660k. So you're paying up, but under 2% ownership. We've seen him in that game against the Storm just revolutionize his own play, get some early ball and do damage. And the tackle busting is the thing for Tungo that really stood out last week. He's a guy that can give you 45, 50 in base and power on a good day with genuine, genuine try scoring ability. At his best, Tungo's breaking more than five tackles a game. Doesn't have much of an offload in him, but I think with the return of Cleary, Tungo, when he goes big, he goes big. He's had a couple of games this year where he's had three, four, five try involvements. So, Tungo's one to like against the Dolphins. Aiken's not a bad defender with a Sarko that he's running at, but. Could be interesting there And I just like that one there Like I said These guys may not come off But if they do You're a lot better off Than if you hadn't have gone them Finally my trades and skippers For the round And it's a pretty simple one for me There's three trade-ins That stand out from the rest Dave Fafita Kalen Ponga And Nathan Cleary If he plays So I'll be using my final boost If Cleary does play To do that And it's pretty simple Um being traded out for those guys. Um, Paul Alamotti to Kaelin Ponga is a no-brainer. He's no longer in the side. Sitting around 400k, so it is a pretty hefty upgrade. But um, I had that money spare, and that's why I nuffed out a few guys last week. For that reason, so I knew I had to make these moves for Ponga. Hopgood to Feeder only cost me 90000 which I really, really love. And then I'll be flipping Sean Johnson to Nath Cleary if he plays. This still leaves me with 400k to make moves next week. What i do with this will be interesting. I think Max King to Payne Haas, I'll virtually lock in if Haas plays. Still leaves me with about 200k. And I'll probably look at moving on Richie Kenner. And I'll probably have about 580, 600k range to spend there. And... Penny, If, if Brabham Best doesn't play, that's an option I could target there. Um, I'm not too sure who else I could look at. Are there any bottom-out fullbacks at that price? I don't really think. Dill Edwards might actually be close-ish. Will Kennedy probably not worth it. Um, probably not much fullback-wise because I do have the dual position to look at someone there. Maybe AJ Brimson I could go towards. And there are center wing pods, as I mentioned before, that I could look at. Sean Lane's another one of them. But yeah, for me, this week, Cleary, Fafida, Ponga, all no-brainers. The thing that I am weighing up, um, whether it's worth it, is the captaincy, vice-captaincy choices. Ponga against the Tigers and Cleary against the Dolphins stand out to me big time. And I think it really just depends on the percentages. Um, Right now, on the Tuesday night when I'm recording, Ponga's at 5% captained between all coaches and Ponga's at 4%. So I think if Ponga keeps raising in straight captain percentage, I won't go to him. But I was considering if Cleary was low, the straight captain Ponga. But yeah, if Cleary stays under like 15%, I think it's going to be a no-brainer there. So Ponga into Cleary is the most likely option. I think everyone owns them out there. Should probably be doing the same thing. But as I said, straight C, KP, I don't mind at all. That will just about wrap me up for the Round 20 podcast. Thank you all for listening. Next Wednesday, we'll be back again with the Round 21 episode. Me and Berger will be back together for that one. And look forward to that. So thank you all for listening. See you next week.